Luke chapter 23 and verse 49, And all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off, beholding these things. As we looked at yesterday morning, we looked at the story, the account of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And uh, we talked about that day being a day that changed the world. And I hope and pray that that day has changed your life. That you understand the gravity of the sacrifice that God has made for you and for your sins. And that's what we're here to talk about through this week and this meeting is looking at some individuals in the New Testament who were there that day that Jesus died. Who had the ability in their physical eyes to witness the suffering and the salvation that Jesus purchased with His own blood. A lot of times when I read the New Testament, there are certain things that happen and occur, and I think in my mind, I wish I could have been there to have seen that. I wish I could have witnessed those things, because maybe if I had seen those things, my faith might be just a little bit stronger. But I think we can glean enough from the experiences of the individuals we're going to talk about through the remainder of the week that our faith can be increased. Because these people that we're going to talk about, guess what they all were? They were just people. Those apostles that Jesus chose to follow Him and to carry out the mission of opening the doors of the kingdom of God, the church, they were just men. They had flaws. They had great talents and abilities, but at the same time, they made mistakes. And you and I ought to be in the same boat as them tonight. That we have talents, we have abilities, and we want to give God everything that we possibly can, but at the same time understand we're going to make mistakes. We're going to have shortcomings. And that when we recognize those things and we realize the gravity of our sin, that we understand we go back to that cross and we go back to that blood and we go back to that sacrifice that was made on the behalf of all of mankind. Tonight, we're going to look at one of those apostles. We're going to look at the life of the Apostle John. And we're going to look at what were the circumstances of John's life that led him to be the disciple that he was. What led him to be really the only apostle that's specifically mentioned in the Gospel accounts as being there at the foot of the cross comforting the mother of Jesus. You know, if I think about you know who I would want to be or what disciple I would want to relate to, John would be pretty high on that list, wouldn't he? As we talked about yesterday afternoon, Judas would probably be at the bottom of that list. Because Judas, it wasn't just the fact that he committed sin and betrayed Jesus, it was the fact that he didn't seek the forgiveness of God that he could have had. But John found himself at the cross. John chapter 19 and verse 25, the Bible says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw His mother and His disciples standing by whom He loved. That phrase we're going to focus in on this evening and look at that idea of John being the disciple whom Jesus loved. And we may read that statement and we may say, you know, John was a little full of himself. (laughs) You know, John was a little arrogant. You know, he didn't describe Peter as the apostle whom Jesus loved. He described himself that way. And really, it's in John's writings are the only writings that describe that. But I want you to understand, John wasn't being arrogant. John was placing a focus on the love of Jesus Christ. And throughout the Gospel of John, he reiterates that fact. 
You think about the most quoted passage in the New Testament, John chapter 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Y'all wish y'all could memorize that verse this week, don't you? You probably got that one, don't you? Yeah. We want to challenge you a little bit. But we think about the love of God, and John expresses that love throughout his Gospels. And in his epistles, his writings, he focuses in on that. So when John refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, it wasn't out of arrogance. It was out of a focus on the love that Jesus had for His children and for His people. And I hope tonight that you would be able to call yourself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Because I believe that title would be fitting of all of us that are here tonight, that have proclaimed the name of Christ, who have been baptized into His blood, that He would look at us as that type of disciple. What made John that kind of man? Well, one of the first things we learn about John is found in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 21, the Bible says, "...and going from thence he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother." in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. John was willing to leave everything behind. He was willing to leave his career. He was willing to leave his physical earthly gains that he had gained by being a fisherman. He was also willing to leave his own father and the family business. Now, I struggle with that a little bit as a dad. If I worked hard to build a business and my sons are working for me in that business, and then all of a sudden they just immediately drop everything to go follow, I might be a little disappointed. I might be a little discouraged. Wait, wait, hang on. Let's get some things in order. Let me hire some new hands. Let me figure something out before you go. But it didn't matter what Zebedee thought, did it? It didn't matter what his concern for his business was because John had heard the call of Jesus Christ. And that call resounded in his heart and made such an impact that he was willing to do what? He's willing to leave his nets, he was willing to leave the ships, he was willing to leave his father, and he was willing to go walk and travel and follow his Lord. How many of us have to make sacrifices today to serve Christ? I want to say tonight, if you haven't made a sacrifice in your life to some degree to serve Jesus Christ, you might want to reevaluate your discipleship. Because being a disciple of Jesus is going to cost you something. And Jesus was very honest with us about that, wasn't He? He talked time and time again about the cost of discipleship and encouraged those that they would count the cost. That they would really give attention to what it is He was teaching them and the mission that laid before them in going and preaching the gospel. And say, listen, you got to realize, here's the reality. If you take on this mission and you want to be a part of this kingdom, it's going to cost you something. But then He made a promise. He said, whatever it costs you, I will more than make up for Because there was a time that some of the disciples had been a little presumptuous. And it talked about how much they had been willing to leave and what they had given up. And Jesus very quickly put them in their place and said, No man has given up houses or brethren or family for me and the gospel that I have not repaid over a hundred times. 
You see, yes, we have to make sacrifices for God, and John was willing to do that. John was willing to lay aside anything that he cared for on this earth to follow Jesus, understanding that Jesus made him a promise. And Jesus makes us that promise tonight as well. Are you that kind of disciple? One of the things that led John to actually be at the cross was his willingness to suffer along with Jesus and his willingness to go the extra mile and to be the disciple that Jesus called him to be. Something else that's interesting about John is he was very passionate. He and his brother James were given the name Sons of Thunder by Jesus Himself. And you think, man, that's a pretty cool nickname, isn't it? To be called the Sons of Thunder. But you know what that really talked about was sometimes their anger. And sometimes their harshness. And sometimes... We don't ever think of John that way, do we? You know, when I envision the Apostle John, I think of this perfect example of what a disciple ought to be. (laughs) But you know, there are a couple of times in the Scriptures that we read of that Jesus had to rebuke John. Go over to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, we're going to start there in verse 49. It says, And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him, because he followeth not with us. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face and they went and entered into a village of Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, will thou... Will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? See what John wants to do to these people who had set against Jesus? John, that gentle, meek, loving apostle, said, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven upon these people? I've been upset with folks before. I don't know that I've ever actually had the thought in mind, I wish we could just call down fire upon these people. And John was that angry. He was that upset. He was passionate. Notice what we started out reading. John had seen someone casting out demons. And he said, whoa, 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 you can't do that. You're not with us doing those things. And he goes and tells Jesus thinking he had done a good thing. Jesus, you know what? We saw this man. He was out there casting out demons, but he's not with us doing it. So guess what? We, we told him to stop it. You know what? He was probably expecting a kind of pat on the back, wasn't he? What did Jesus tell him? What are you doing? <laughs> if he's not fighting against us, he's with us in this. And we need all the help we can get. So John in no way was a perfect man. No way was he a perfect disciple because I want you to understand tonight there's no... Such thing. Now, do we strive for perfection? I believe we ought to set a very high standard of what we expect out of ourselves and out of one another. But perfection can't be the goal because it's an unattainable standard. 
But I was taught early on that if you set your goals high and you just come close, you get a lot further. And you get closer to the goal that you actually have than if you set the standard at a lower level that's easier for you to accomplish. Would it have been easier to give you guys one memory verse for this whole week? Everybody's like, yeah, we'd be done. But you know, Brother Mike said what? It's a challenge. I'm challenging you. Essentially, what he's saying is, I want to see what you're made of. And he's not going to challenge you to do something he knows you can't do, but he has an expectation, as we all do, as the Lord does, of what he expects from us as his children, as his disciples, as his ambassadors, and our role in this world. You see, John was passionate, but he was not perfect. You know what else John was? He was one that witnessed some very pivotal and key events of Jesus' life. One of those was the transfiguration. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 1 says, And after six days Peter taketh, or Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up to a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Could you imagine if you had been there, and all of a sudden Jesus takes you up onto this mount with two of your other brethren, and then he's transfigured before you. You see him in all of his glory. You no longer see the man that's walked all over with you, but you see him in his immortal, perfect state. And his face shines as the sun. It's brilliant to think about. It's hard for us to even imagine. John got to see that. Do you think John ever doubted after that? We don't ever read of John having any doubts, but we read of one named Peter who denied that he was with Jesus three times the night in which Jesus was betrayed. You know what Peter also got to see? He got to see the same thing John saw. You see, these men were human beings. They were people. And as John saw Jesus transfigured before his very eyes, and then all of a sudden he sees what? He sees Moses and Elias talking with Jesus. You'd be blown away if you got to see that. And John saw it. And what was it that was so special about John? He was chosen by Jesus. And if you notice, throughout key events in Jesus' life and ministry, Peter, James, and John are there. Here at the transfiguration, and then as Jesus prays in the garden. He took all of His disciples, all of His apostles, save Judas, to the Garden of Gethsemane where He went to pray to God three times that God would let this cup pass from Him, that He wouldn't have to suffer. And as they came into that garden, He left all the other apostles there and He took Peter, James, and John with Him a little further into the garden. They were special to Jesus. John was special to Jesus. And he had that kind of relationship with the Lord. And he took him a little further into the garden and what did he tell him? Sit here and pray. And Jesus goes a little further into the garden all by himself and he falls down to the earth and begins to pray and he comes back and what's happened to John and Peter and James? They're asleep. They're asleep. 
Would you fall asleep if Jesus Himself had come to you and said, Hey, can you pray for me? We've had a lot of people come to us at different points in time and say, You know what? Can you, can you pray with me? I have never fallen asleep. <laughs> I've never fallen asleep in the middle of them offering a prayer or me praying for them. That's never happened. Happened to John with Jesus. Could you imagine? But John got to experience that with Jesus. You know, there's something about our relationship with God. It's wholly based on faith. Right? Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. You and I don't get to see these things with our own eyes. But through the eyes of John, we have evidence and we have His testimony. And those things are enough for us to have faith in everything that the Word of God teaches us concerning His Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. But these men lived it. And John was there to see those things. Day in and day out. As I said a few moments ago, John focused on Jesus' love. John 13 and 23 says, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of His disciples whom Jesus loved. John 19 and 26, When Jesus therefore saw His mother and disciples standing by whom He loved. And then John 20 and verse 2, Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Did John understand the love of Christ? He had a deep understanding of it. The question is, do you understand the love of Christ tonight? Do you understand the forgiveness that Jesus offers to you? Do you understand the price that Jesus paid for your sins and your shortcomings? The things that you don't want anybody else in this room to know about, Jesus knows about and He died so that you could be forgiven of those things. You think about that the next time you commit sin. And the next time that you need forgiveness and in your heart you know you need forgiveness and the next time that you don't know what to do, I want you to remember the love of Christ. And I want you to remember the sacrifice that He made and that that sacrifice was not in vain, but it was to accomplish exactly what God wanted to accomplish in forgiving you of your sins. Just as John understood that. John also understood that if they could document and write everything that they had witnessed concerning the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, the earth itself couldn't hold all the books that they could have written. John chapter 21 and verse 25 says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written, every one I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Now, John was an inspired apostle. He had the Holy Spirit, the Comforter that Jesus had promised to give to him to bring all things into his remembrance so that he could write these things down. But you know what? We have the Holy Spirit within us. Do you have a story about Jesus Christ in your life? Could you write that story? Could you tell your story to someone else? 
as an example of God's love and an example of Christ's sacrifice and what it's done for you in your life, your own personal story? I think we all could. John said if he could write everything that he observed, he said, it's impossible. That's how amazing his relationship with Jesus Christ was. And our relationship with God and through Jesus Christ ought to be the same way. That I could just talk about my Savior. I could tell you about Him all day long. Y'all ever seen that song? There's a line that says, All day long of Jesus I am singing. Could we do that? We can't make it an hour and a half to a church service or 45 minutes tonight. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But could we spend an entire day doing nothing but talking about Jesus? One of the things I love about days like yesterday, (laughs) from the time I get up in the morning, guess what the whole day is about? It's about serving God. We come to services here at 10 o'clock. Until 11.30, what are we doing? We're worshiping God. We're singing songs of praise to God. We're thanking Him for all the things that He's done for us. We're studying His Word in an effort to build ourselves up and to be edified so that we can be stronger disciples as we go out into this world. We come around a table and we remember the impact that Jesus' death has had upon each and every one of us. We pray to God through that sacrificial lamb and through that blood. Then after that, what do we do? We put tables out. (laughs) And food fills those tables. And we go through one by one and we get a plate full of food and we enjoy one another's company. And you hear people laughing and smiling and spending time together talking about wholesome things. Because you know what I have to do a lot of my week? I have to hear people talk about very tragic and unpleasant things. And sometimes I get tired of hearing those things. And sometimes I just want to go and isolate myself and say, I don't want to be here. I want to be by myself. I just want to be alone with my thoughts and my Bible and just have some time. You ever feel that way? Overwhelmed by what this world does to us? Yesterday, did you feel overwhelmed? Other than when all the kids came to your house last night for the first time? Did you? But yesterday was a great day. Could you imagine if we could do that every day? And that's why gospel meetings and and youth works like this are so valuable and important because it shows us a glimpse of what we can really be. Because one day we're going to have an eternity to spend with one another. I want to tell you, when we're there... We're not going to be talking about the latest video games. We're not going to be talking about Kevin Durant going and playing basketball for Golden State. (laughs) I know you're disappointed, Chase. I'm sorry. We're not going to be talking about the news that's all around the world and all the controversy and chaos and fighting and hate and all those kinds. You know what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about Jesus. And we're going to sing about Him all day long. And all night. And we're going to worship Him. And we get a glimpse of that on days like yesterday. And I hope you enjoy that. I hope you appreciate the opportunity that we have to be together and praise God. 
John certainly would have appreciated that. John would have enjoyed that. John would have loved that. One thing that really stands out to me about John is he had earned the trust of Jesus. You think Jesus trusts you? What would he leave in your charge? What would he leave you responsible for tonight? Because you know what he left John? He left him his mother to take care of. Moms are pretty important, aren't they? The Son of God hung on a cross in pain and torment and agony that we talked about yesterday morning. And at one moment, He looks down and guess who He sees there? He sees His mom. Do you think His mom liked seeing that? We're going to talk about her on Wednesday night. But you mothers, could you imagine seeing your son hanging on that cross for people that hated him? And when he could have been concerned about his own pain, when he could have been concerned about what he was going through, when he could have been concerned about the great mission that laid before him, you know what he was concerned about for that moment in time? He was concerned about mom. He looked down and he saw his mom, and guess who he saw right there with his mom? He saw John, that disciple whom he loved. You know what he told John? John 19 and 26 says, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. He wasn't talking about himself. He's talking about John. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Jesus said, John, I trust you. I do love you, John, and I trust you, and I trust you so much that you know what? I want you to take care of my mom now that I'm gone. Do you think Jesus trusts you that much? I hope He does. But you know what? We have to earn His trust, don't we? Do you know how you can earn the trust of Jesus? By knowing everything you can know about Him. And by obeying what it is He tells you to do. And by understanding that He offers forgiveness for any shortcoming that you may have. John understood that. And John had proven his faithfulness to Christ. And that's why Christ had the ultimate confidence in John and said, You know what? Take care of Mom. John then... Three days later, after the crucifixion, as word gets back to he and Peter about Jesus being resurrected from the dead, did John doubt? Did John question? You know, we have other apostles that questioned and doubted, don't we? Thomas had received a report from all the other apostles that Jesus had been raised from the dead and that Jesus had proven Himself to them. And what did Thomas say? Except I put my finger in His hand and put my hand in His side, I will not believe. Luckily, he got another opportunity, didn't he? 
John simply hears the report that, you know what, Jesus' body isn't there. And he takes off. (laughs) Would you have run to the tomb? John did. John 20 and verse 2 says, Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have taken Him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. <laughs> it was a foot race. Who's going to get to the tomb first? And there was no stopping John. John raced with all his heart and all his might to get where to get to that tomb and investigate and see what it was that had happened. And he gets there and he peeks in and what's he see? It says, and he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. He looked in and he saw and he didn't go in. He just peeked. And then Peter comes in and goes in. And what do they begin to realize? Jesus did exactly what he said he would do. He was raised from the dead. Something else John understood was the great invitation that Jesus gave. Revelation 22 and verse 17, John's writing in the book of Revelation. It says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst, Come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. John understood the giving nature of God. John understood that only in Christ could you find true, purposeful life. I want to tell you tonight, it's not just about going to heaven. That's great. And that's wonderful. And I look forward to that. But I want to tell you, it's about living a sanctified life today. Accessing the water of life daily. Seeking His will and His Word and hiding it in our hearts so that we become the disciples that He invites us to be. Take of the water of life freely. It's freely given and it can be freely taken through the offering of Jesus Christ. And you can have that tonight. John understood that invitation. And I believe that's one of the greatest reasons that John was at the cross that day. He wasn't at a distance, perhaps with all the other apostles. He wasn't at a distance just gazing. He hadn't run away in confusion or fear. He was right there at the foot of the cross because he fully grasped and understood what was happening. Do you understand that tonight? If you do, you have an invitation from Jesus to come. One of the greatest things about John is that he longed to see Jesus again. Tonight, you may have lost someone close to you. If you've experienced that, one of the greatest hopes that we have is if they died in Christ, what's our hope? We'll see Him again, won't we? That this life is temporary, this world's not eternal, and we have a hope. That we can see those who have gone on before us. There will be a reunion. There will be rejoicing. And John looked forward to that with Jesus. In John 14 and verse 1, 
Jesus told His disciples a great truth. He said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Do you think those words motivated John? As John sees Jesus dying on the cross, do you think these words come back to his mind where he says, He's going to come back. He's going to come back. I'm going to see Him again. This isn't the end. This is only temporary. Don't you think those words were motivating to John that day? The next to the last verse of the New Testament. In the book of Revelation, chapter 22 and verse 20, what's John say? He says, He would testify these things, saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Are you that kind of disciple tonight? If you are, then you're the kind of disciple that would have been at the foot of the cross. You're just like John. There's probably days I feel like John. That my faith is strong enough that I would have been able to conquer and and be exactly what John was. That beloved disciple of Jesus Christ. But I also know there are days where I don't live up to that. Where I don't feel like Jesus would trust me because I've given Him no reason to. Understand tonight, if you ever feel that way, you have a Savior. You have the One that hangs on the cross that you can go to seeking forgiveness as you repent of those sins and those shortcomings. And God is faithful and He'll forgive you. But tonight, I hope you find yourself at the cross of Christ. Just like John was. And if you're here tonight and you've never been baptized for the remission of your sins, you need to understand. It's in baptism that your sins are forgiven. It's in baptism that your sins are washed away. It's in baptism that you arise to walk in a new life with Jesus Christ. He makes all things new. He has the power to do that. We don't, but He does. And if you've not done that in your life, you need to do that tonight. You need to come to the cross repenting, seeking forgiveness, and come in obedience, submitting yourself in baptism so that Jesus can be your Savior. If you've taken those steps and you've done that, but you know in your heart and in your life right now, You're not the disciple you need to be. You can come. You can come praying and repenting and pleading with God to restore you to your place in His kingdom. He wants you there. He's placed us all in His kingdom as it has pleased Him. And tonight you have a place with your Lord. If you would only come as we stand and sing.